Episode number 10 of No Room for Phonies is sponsored by Good Food, Good Friends, and Good Times. In this first episode for March 2020, I talk about women as leaders, women in leadership, and women across Canada who are leaders. I'm going to start by just talking about what I think makes a leader great. I've been a leader. I've worked with lots of different leaders. And I think I've learned a couple of things about what it means to be a leader. And because um, I wanted to make a difference in a different way, I know that sounds funny, but I wanted to be able to make a difference by um, having a vision for an organization or a, a certain group of people. That's why I wanted to be a leader. I really wanted to help people. And I know that sounds kind of whatever. Oh, everybody wants to help everybody. But that that really is why I wanted to become a leader. I, I was a, a leader in my classroom. And then I was a, uh, like a resource teacher that traveled from school to school for special education. And I, I was a leader there. But I watched how schools were run and I thought I, I knew some things about building community that would uh, work in schools and so I wanted to try that and I felt that like with influence leaders with influence what I've noticed is that they give more than they have to so they go above and beyond they're not out the door at six o'clock at night they get the job done kind of no matter how long it takes. And I mean, I would say that I struggled with work-life balance at times, but um, I also tried to include my kids and my family in my community, and I could do that because it was a school. And so they would come and volunteer and help and do things and actually add a great deal to the community. I think my motivation was always that I really cared about the kids in my care and I wanted to make sure that they had what they needed to be successful and uh, sometimes that made the adults have to work harder or not be too happy at times but my focus was always on the kids. I loved learning and I still love learning. I think that's part of the reason why I like doing this whole podcast thing is because it gives me a chance to look at different perspectives on things and to learn about things and to hear from people and talk about things. So I think that makes a leader that has influence. If I was always reading books, I was always taking courses, I was always part of something that was a learning community. So that allowed me to have some influence. I was authentic to almost to... Um, like people sometimes didn't want to hear the truth about things or my perspective about things, but I gave my perspective because I lived, I live on a, an authentic life and it's not that my mind can't be changed. I like hearing other people's perspectives and considering other options, but I have a moral compass and I have a truth that I live by. And so um, that came through as a leader for me. I also empowered others a lot. Like I had committees, I had people who were responsible for things and I trusted them to do their jobs and to be professional and make a difference. 
And uh, I loved ideas and I loved things um, coming from within rather than the, the sort of top-down um, stuff that we hear that happens, you know, like in, in some places. I did manage hardship well. Like I helped people who were struggling a lot. Um, I would put things in place for them. I also managed hardship well when it came to kids, like um, kids that uh, you know were going through stuff. I was able to help them and able to support their families. And I got to know what agencies could be helpful and actually how to make them helpful because that's another um, aspect to it. I had lots of struggles and I made lots of mistakes as a leader. So I always felt um, that sense of humility that I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And I remembered like on different schools where I would have a long commute home at the end of the day. I can remember even being in tears because I knew that I had not um, done the right thing or I'd upset someone that I didn't really need to upset or, you know, there were so many things that I, I did. I guess I always felt that people would, um, you know, live in a spirit of forgiveness. And I always often thought, um, I wonder how many men cry on their way home from work at night. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that they don't and maybe things have changed, but I always felt that it was harder for me to be a leader as a woman and a mom and a wife, uh, than it was for men because, um, I watched them and their, their wives took care of stuff for them that I was taking care of as a mother. But I mean, I, I think that our female perspective brings something to the table and it allows us to be um, more compassionate as leaders. But I, a great leader isn't always loved by everyone because they challenge those they work with to move outside their comfort zone. And I really, um, I really challenge things. And I guess one of the things that was a weakness for me was I didn't I don't suffer fools lightly so when people were just not cutting it I didn't have very much trouble telling them and sometimes probably not in the nicest of ways so you know I was more corporate when it came to that rather than what I call public servant kind of leadership like in the public service for teachers and nurses and they have pretty strong reunions that protect them and so that was a that was definitely an issue for me because i i called people out on stuff i, w I recently was reading about four types of leadership and um i found this very interesting it's from a book uh about uh, the round table. Um, I'll, I'll um, put it up on my um, on Facebook for you, but it talked about answer centered leadership and an answer centered leader declares what's to be done and why, but then expects it to be done. And a vision centered leadership, which was more of what I aspired to be offers a strong energizing vision about the general direction 
and also has a great personal commitment to everything that happens. And I, my tendency, my personality is I, I do have, feel I have answers, but I really um, tried to put those, put my ideas into a vision that people could get behind. Like we are going to make sure that kids in this school learn no matter how um, sad or deprived their outside life is, we're going to focus on them and make them great. So that was, um, and I poured myself into doing that. Like I gave my time and worked with people and did what I could. There's also inquiry-centered leadership, which really is interesting as well because it fosters inquiry at various levels through questions and facilitation and establishing community and organizational structures that support us asking questions of each other. I did find that people less and less wanted to be questioned about things. I did find, I don't know if this was when, as millennials entered the workplace or as people got closer to retirement, they wanted more the kind of leadership style that was at the bottom where it is like just leadership by leaving me. I, I just want to be left alone. They want to be alone to find their way. They don't really want to be questioned about what they're doing. And uh, I found that um, challenging uh, before I retired because, and I also found that people kind of responded to questioning sort of one of two ways. They were reflective or they were mad. <laughs> or I guess the third way they were, they ignored you. Like they just sort of nodded their heads and then went and did what they wanted to do anyway. But I found more that people were like, well, how dare you question me? And, you know, I have my own professional judgment in this area, so I don't really need to be, um, you know, thinking about what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And uh, I don't think that we ever get the best in our um, organizations when we don't question or reflect or get around a vision and really go for it and look for change. And I mean, there's definitely a difference between transformational leadership and versus authoritarian leadership where you know, someone's at you all the time, but I believe questioning each other really does have a, um, really does have a, a place in this, in the model of, of leadership. I think that you're, you, you know, if by asking people questions like, okay, so talk to me about, um, how you think your kids are doing, uh, with the with the reading strategies that you've, you're putting in place or how did you set that up so that you know your kids are seem so engaged so I mean but I find I found in the last bit that um, I, I went through a very um, important stage in my career where we did a lot of work with professional uh, learning communities and it was kind of like you sat at the table and you said, what do you want the kids to learn? How do you know if they're learning it? How do you know if they're not? What do you, what, and, and what are we going to do about that? And that kind of questioning was so um, empowering, I thought, for teachers and for students and for like all kinds of people 
um, in the community, even for parents to realize that that's what we were doing and spending time on. And um, I guess uh, when I looked up about stories about great women leaders, I sort of found um, that women have a passion, a different kind of a passion than men do in leadership. And it, you might disagree with me and I'd be happy to hear from about that. And I think that sometimes as women, we make the mistake of feeling that we have to be like the men in order to um, make it. And I'm, I'm going to read a quote later from Arlene Dickinson, and I watched her on Dragon's Den sometimes. And she never gives in to being like them, like any of the men. She always keeps her passion and her kindness as part of who she is as a, as a leader. And I, I really respect that when I see that. It's okay to cry. It's okay to just feel that passionate passion and kindness towards someone and to let that out like that's not a bad thing to see coming from a leader and uh, creativity and innovation I think are we look at uh, at that differently because for a lot of women who ended up you know making it sort of in whatever terms you describe that I think that it takes more um, creativity and innovation like I watch a young friend of mine who's decided to, you know, extend her leave and stay home uh, with her baby a little extra. And and I've seen a transformation in her. And I believe that she's a leader in her home, which I don't think we've respected enough as we've gone through time. And especially I think it's coming around again. But you know, I hear her say, well, I just thought that I all I would want to do was get back to work. And now I'm home with my baby and all I want to do is be with him. And, and, you know, in that creative and innovative way, I want to have a home that allows him to thrive. And I'm just so proud of that kind of satisfaction with leadership among young women because... I always said to kids and and teachers and custodians and secretaries, you are the leader in the place where you are. So figure out what is your um, who you are as a person and be that as a leader. And not everyone's going to like you. Some people may hate you, but you know that in your heart you have that satisfaction of knowing that you are doing you are thinking you are thoughtful about your decisions and you are doing the things that you are really feel are going to make a difference and help people i also think that women overall have had to have way more determination than men as leaders they have to push it harder and you know it's a pretty soul-searching thing to say to be able to stand up and say, I love being at home with my baby, or I love, um, you know, my role as a helper uh, in society, and, and that I look for people who need support, and I try to be, you know, be uh, a part of their lives in a, in a, in a, a genuinely respectful, kind, and passionate way. 
I think it just takes a lot of determination. Like once you've made it big, I think you had to have a lot of determination to get there. But I have a lot of respect for people who aren't what I would call like in the stars kind of le leaders where they're noticed or they're this or they're that or they write books or they do whatever. I just want to look at the quiet leaders of our society who look after their kids and run amazing, you know, have wonderful houses, households and um, value community and, and uh, take care of members of their family. Like that's a whole form of leadership too. And I think sometimes, um, yeah, it, the other part of I think that great women leaders have is, is confidence. And I think confidence has to come from being okay with who you are right now, but never being satisfied and always wanting to be better, a better version of yourself by pushing yourself. So, I mean, I don't think you have to be a, a novelist or a, own a chain of stores or be a CEO of something to be a great leader. I just think you have to know yourself, push yourself, and be constantly um, looking at other perspectives and other people's lives and being inspired and thinking, yeah, maybe I, I could do that. Or I mean, I think of myself even with this whole podcast thing. I have no expectation that I'm going to be like famous or great or whatever, but it challenges me to push myself to think about other things and to kind of put them out there for other people to hear and listen to and think about and that's it but that's a that's a form of of being a leader it's being my authentic self and being passionate creative determined and speaking with confidence and kindness and thinking about other people so anyway i looked up a few quotes by a few uh people that I respect and I was trying to keep to Canadian leaders and then of course there's always Oprah and um, and I, I read this quote by Oprah and I just wanted to read it and it just said everyone wants to ride with you in the limo but what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down and I always think you know my true friends are the ones that have stuck by me when I've been kind of at my lowest point and have kind of not really slap me in the face, but have, you know, have drugged me out of that and said, okay, like my, when I was going through a really rough time and yeah, you need your chance to wallow. Yes, 100%. But at some point you got to stand up and get moving and her saying, okay, look, we're going for breakfast. And those breakfasts, those weekly, usually breakfasts, we talk about politics. We talk about her kids. We talk about everything and those breakfasts have become like um real times from of, of feeling connected and and i think that's something that we've also lost we're so busy striving that we f we forget to connect and i mean i think it's those people who will sit with you when you're at your saddest or when you don't know what to do that are are you know are the kind of of women you know, in your in your sisterhood that that you need. <clears throat> Although I'm not a very amazing sisterhood kind of a person, but 
I'm starting to believe in it more and more. And I also believe that in your sisterhood, you need people of all um, ages because they bring so much perspective to your life. And then, of course, I'm a huge Anne of Green Gables fan. And, and uh, so I looked up Lucy Maud Montgomery and I, this quote made me think, too, that we pay a price for everything we get or take in this world. And, though all, and although ambitions are well worth having, they are not to be cheaply won, but exact their dues of work and self-denial, anxiety and discouragement. Most of the trouble in life comes from misunderstanding, I think. And I, I am starting to, I've been taking a little course on cognitive behavior therapy, which I might talk about in a later um, podcast, but the premise of it is that we have to ask each other questions and understand each other. And I think that that is, uh, you know, such an important thing that we don't just all of a sudden put our perceptions on top of somebody else's life. And then that's where misunderstanding comes from. But her idea that we pay a price for everything we get is true. If you want to be the CEO of, of a company, something gives right in your life you have a nanny or you you know you don't spend as much time with your kids but you have something you know you have something else and anxiety and discouragement I think that's um, something I've been thinking about a lot anxiety and discouragement are just part of life and I you know we hear so much about anxiety right now but I really think that we have to feel about that as more of a normal thing. And so therefore, you have to help yourself when you're feeling anxious by, you know, getting out, getting fresh air, finding a different perspective and, and kind of moving forward because anxiety is part of, is part of something. It's part of one of the do's, as she said of the things worth having like for example people who don't have any children have one less layer of anxiety but they don't have any children and sometimes that's a choice and that's a fine choice but i'm just saying life and being with people and being connected to people gives you cause to be anxious because you're anxious about um your kids like that's a mother thing you're always I am I always you know think oh I hope they got home safely and I hope everything's okay and you don't want to intrude too much because they're adults but it's just part of but then on the other hand I have children so you know it's all that and then the other um one that I looked up as well was Nellie McClung and she, her one quote is I'm a believer in women and of course her story right is you know, she was, she was a suffragist. She, you know, amazing, amazing person. So she says, I'm a believer in women, in their ability to do things and in their influence and power. Women set the standards for the world and it is for us, women in Canada, to set the standards high. And her other one is, um, never retract, never explain, never apologize, get things done and let them howl. And I laughed at that because... Um, there were times when I had to put things in place, safety things and things to do with, the, you know, assessment and what was required of teachers where 
like there was just all this backlash and sometimes when you know it's right you just have to do it and let them howl and let them see um, that it's the right thing to do I remember thinking okay do you wait to implement something until everybody's on board or do you implement it and then think that by seeing how good it is people will get on board so it's just interesting um, and then the other one was, I want to be a peaceful, happy, normal human being pursuing my unimpeded way through life, never having to stop to explain, defend, or apologize for my sex. And I think we're still apologizing. I, I watched some of the impeachment and one of the women was questioned about, um, that she was very upset about something that had happened and reacted emotionally to something that had happened to do with, you know, the whole Trump thing. And she said, if I had been a man, I would never, no one would be asking me this question. Like women are, are questioned for their, um, you know, emotional this or that or something else. And men can do things in leadership that women cannot do. I mean, I, I you can disagree with me, but I experienced that as a woman. And then I looked up Roberta Bondar, obviously. To fly in space is to see the reality of Earth alone. The experience changed my life and my attitude toward life itself. I am one of the lucky ones. And I think that just talks forward to... Um, perspective right when we always have the same perspective we feel our problems and our life is so big and then you know it's uh, sadly you go to someone's funeral or you hear about something or you just go to another place I remember taking our kids and traveling down to Myrtle Beach and seeing gated communities and poverty and it that really impacted me I mean I know you people who are listening to this have probably seen all kinds of forms of poverty but that really had an impact on me and uh, it made me sad right so I think we just need perspective on things sometimes and then I I um I like this one by Christia Freeland uh, facts matter truth matters competence and honesty matters among elected leaders in our public service matters so, you know, she's basically saying fact, truth, competence, and honesty matters in politics. Wouldn't that be interesting if that actually happened? But anyway, and then my Arlene Dickinson quote is, stay curious. I believe if we are curious about people and the world, it makes us more tolerant and open to ideas. If you're curious, you want to learn more in order to understand versus simply shutting down another perspective because it's not the same as yours. And I just feel like I've heard now a whole bunch of times listening to different uh, podcasts and all kinds of different things, that whole term of iron sharpens iron, which is a biblical term. But I believe that so much about our ourselves. If we are not willing to let people who get under our skin and make us think then that's the that's the sad part I think 
of the world. I mean, I've been challenged by so many people in my life. And uh, I just think, you know, I, I, I just think it, it, it's, it's, and that doesn't mean that every time somebody says something to you, there are people who you know are, um, you know, have your best interests at heart. And there are people who are just out to get you. And I think, you know, that's part of discernment in your life. And I don't know. I don't know if we, I don't feel that women are equally represented in leadership roles. I think there's statistics that prove that. And does the most qualified person always get the job regardless of gender? I don't think so. But I think that there are also like, I think there are some young white males that feel they're, you know, they're not, they don't get the opportunities. But I don't know what is important why and why is it important to have more women in leadership roles i think it's important that we have the right people around the table when we're um you know when we're doing things i was listening to a podcast of trevor noah who i think is hilarious and he it was all his um production staff and they were like a whole variety of people um, types of people, women, men, you know, sexual orientation, color, like everybody, everything was kind of represented around that table. And when I listened to them talk, I understood why it is important to have, they brought such different perspectives to the table. They were just, it was just amazing to, um, listen to them and, and uh, hear their, how they looked at life. And, and, you know, of course, in their case, the right person to go out and interview another person because either as, you know, as to clash with them or because they understood them. So I, you know, it was, it was one of those times when I listened to something and thought, okay, well, that's why it's so important to have all these different perspectives. And I don't mean that women should get all the jobs, but I, I don't I do think there is a point where men get whatever over women like I I still don't believe that the United States of America or Canada are ready to accept a woman prime minister or president and why is that so that makes no sense and yet I believe that that is it's true in you know overall so I think we just have a long way uh, to go as women. And I think there's a lot still to be done uh, to make sure that women can still be women authentically and be well represented across society. And then I was thinking about some of the leaders that I most respected as I like worked and was going through life. and. Um, as a young teacher, I had men principals, but I had um, definitely some vice principals, like um, one of one was named Maxine. I mean, she was an influencer. She, um, all those things that I talked about at the beginning of this um, thing where she gave more, she cared, she was continuously learning, she was authentic she empowered, she managed hardship, she had humility. I mean, she did, she did amazing things for the school. And 
but she was no I mean bullshit she she if there was a problem she was head on with it and I I, I really respected her and I worked with another lady that I'm I'm actually still friends with these women and uh, her name was Heather and she ran the um, special ed department when I worked there and she was the same person she was authentic but her goal um, was to make sure kids got what they needed like there was no question that when you went in to ask something if you had the facts and the data but it meant more money or more time or more this or more that and she believed in it she would fight it till the you know she would fight people on things and she had no trouble telling people when they were not doing what was best for kids and she hired people who were authentic and her um, sidekick was uh, Ruth I think that Ruth was a person was uh, that was able to go in and say to her hey you're losing your mind here like you got to slow down or you've got to and I remember always having somebody like that in my crowd that person that was able to shut the door and say hey like you need to take a day off you're driving everybody crazy you are got there's so much going on here like take a breath and somebody who could kind of like read the crowd and and be your um be that iron sharpens iron person in, in your life and then my best time of being a principal was when uh, my friend Rita um, when we worked together and had our schools join for PD and we would fight out what we thought was the best thing to present to staff and we had staff with us helping us do that like and I could call her and talk about stuff like that was probably the best time I had as a principal because I had that person who um, was authentic like myself and who had the same goal. The, the goal was always to make things better for kids and to, um, you know, like make a difference, which, which was kind of what I said in the beginning. And I guess we all have to consider that we learn um, leadership from our, you know, basically, I think of my mother and my grandmothers, and they lived certainly in a different time. But I remember uh, the story of my mom, and she got married at 17. Um, she had three kids, four kids by the time she was like 23. And she was living on my dad's my paternal grandparents farm and there was no indoor plumbing and she had had it and basically I the story is is that she basically burnt down the outhouse so that they had to put indoor plumbing in because she couldn't take it she had four little kids all under like five and there was no reason for it other than we're not going to bother they had the money they had the whatever they just didn't do it and she I mean she asserted herself because she knew that that was what was best and you know I think of a lot of things that she did as a as a mother I mean she never really she went to teachers college but she never really pursued that because she had kids but she was a uh you know she was kind of like a head above the rest when it came to things she did in the church and other things she never she was very authentic I mean 
it was very unfortunate that she passed away very young but um I think you know I think of some of the best parts of her are part of me and I've learned some things about life about taking care of myself about you know that she didn't she didn't do and that has also helped me I think we learn from the good and the bad of each other and uh, yeah that's my thoughts on women leaders I'm so lucky to have had been exposed to a lot of uh, very strong women in my career because I became like when I first started teaching there was the women's women teachers federation and those were really strong uh, women who um, supported us as young teachers and pushed us forward to you know sort of um, make sure that authentic strong smart women could be part of believe that they could be part of the system and I, I think that that made a huge difference for us and uh, made me uh, make the choices uh, that I made well I also knew men who were um, better at um, supporting women leaders and like I remember working for this my one principal and his name was Ted and he supported women and men there was no question that he uh, felt that all women could be as and strong as mighty as as anyone else and valued our perspective and my very very close friend for over 30 years my friend Helen is one of the most accomplished leaders that I know and I mean she never she was a teacher her whole life but sometimes leadership means that you listen to other people that you face whatever comes your way with grace and passion and humility and you just make the best of your life and strong leaders do that every day so there's some thoughts on uh, women in leadership and uh, I'm going to next time for my podcast I'm going to introduce um, or introduce interview a few people of what about what they do with their day and time fillers and time wasters so that's kind of where I'm headed for the next one so you'll hear a few different voices on the podcast next time uh, keep looking for some recipes and book recommendations because I, I always go back to them. And then I've met with my good friend April and she's going to come on the podcast. Um, she talks about essential oil. She is has a, a business called Fuel for the Earth. And so she's going to talk to me about her kind of journey through uh, essential oils and what that's meant for her life. And uh, our hike has kind of gone by the wayside because of um, Claire and her injury but um, I'm going to keep talking about uh, my husband and I are actually hoping to hit Scotland this summer so you can stay tuned for some information about that but uh, I appreciate the listener and if you are a listener you know, check me out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and even um, pop me off an email because I love to uh, hear what you think of some of the things I've said. So that's uh, No Room for Phonies and uh, my take on women and leadership.
Thanks for listening to No Room for Phonies. Tune in next time when I interview friends and acquaintances on time fillers and time wasters.